It is Wednesday, November 24th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to a special edition of the DFS podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And this podcast is sponsored by our partners at Fanshare Sports. Fanshare curates hundreds of pieces of daily fantasy sports-related articles, tweets, and podcasts to create the most accurate ownership projections in the industry. Those projections can be found in the lineup generator on DraftSharks.com. And you can find up-to-date ownership info anytime at FanshareSports.com. Jared, we've got our usual three-game Thanksgiving slate of NFL football this week. That means not only showdowns for us, but a short slate to play around with. So, I mean, we're going to go through this kind of normally, but the short slate Mm -hmm. always means that we talk about guys we wouldn't normally talk about a whole lot. Yeah, and in some ways, I think there's more of an edge if you're, you know, really doing your homework on this, especially on this slate, because there are some, you know, ugly games, some ugly situations that you know might be worth investing in because it, it, it takes a lot less to be you know a tournament winning player on a three game game slate i also think you know swap swapping on these on this this slate in particular is more important than, than a main slate because you have you have two different opportunities to swap you know after that first game you can kind of get away the land see where you stand and potentially you know swap and then again after the, the second you know the dallas vegas game you can, you can swap again so um no, don't 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 drink too much. Don't eat too much turkey. Stay on your toes and, uh, you know, swap if needed after those first two games. Yeah, just remember the tryptophan thing is a myth. So uh, the turkey is probably not doing it. It's probably the stuff in your glass. But yeah, if you want a late swap, make sure to stay on the ball. Let's start a quarterback here, Jared. Josh Allen stands out among the guys that are available. He's easily the best fantasy QB on the slate so far and understandably the most expensive. But he also hasn't been awesome lately. Bad against the Colts last week, bad against the Jaguars two weeks before, even with in between his best PFF passing grade of the season against the Jets. He's still 25th in passing grade over the past three weeks among 40 quarterbacks with at least 25 dropbacks. Yeah, there are some injury issues we're still waiting on, you know, what we'll have later tonight. But one of them, and I think it's going under the radar, is Buffalo's right tackle, Spencer Brown. And the the three games Allen has sucked, you know, Miami, Jacksonville, and last week against Indy, those are the three games Spencer Brown has missed. I I don't think it's all that. There's other factors. But he's been a big absence. Um, So that's one I'm waiting on. And I'm going to like Allen more if he gets Spencer Brown back and maybe consider fading Allen if Spencer Brown remains out. Um, it is a pretty decent spot, I think, for Allen. I mean, New Orleans much, much better against the run than the pass. They're they're actually 25th in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. That that's the worst among the six defenses playing on Thursday. So, um, you know, decent spot for Allen. I do think you know he, he has the highest ceiling among these six quarterbacks, and you know that alone makes him obviously worth considering even at the price tag. Saints do have a D line capable of exploiting that weakness at right tackle if Spencer Brown's out, uh, but they also have an injury uh, Marcus Davenport at uh, defensive end to monitor. So yeah, we'll watch all of that heading into the game, but I, I can't argue that Josh Allen has the highest ceiling among guys on the slate. And then, you know, there's only six quarterbacks available, obviously, and I'm not playing Jared Goff and I'm not playing Trevor Simeon against the Bills. Simeon's got the toughest QB scoring matchup by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. So that brings it down to Allen. Andy Dalton, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott. 
I think that my lean here is Dak Prescott overall. I mean, you know, if you're playing some volume here, obviously you're going to get some of multiple guys. I think Dak Prescott's probably going to be my greatest lean. He's got, he's had a tough three weeks, kind of like Josh Allen, but with the good game in between the two duds, but over that same span that I mentioned for Josh Allen with PFF passing grade, Dak Prescott's 11th in that group in PFF passing grade. So he hasn't been as bad passing wise as Josh Allen lately, he gets a Vegas defense. that's 23rd in defensive DVOA, a fairly neutral matchup for quarterback scoring by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. The Dak offers $900 in savings versus Josh Allen on DK. He's 900 more than Derek Carr, which isn't really that big a gap for the slate that we have overall. And the, the, the prices we have to pay at the other positions missing among uh, Amari Cooper and CD lamb. I think on a normal slate, that would probably make me stay away from Dak. I, it, I feel like it almost adds attractiveness here, though, because Cedric Wilson's cheap at 3,500. Michael Gallup is cheap for a number one receiver at 5,900. And then Dal- Dalton Schultz, 5,300 is kind of expensive for him, but it fits in nicely with the tight end slate that we have here uh, and not a difficult price to fit in overall. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Dak clearly the, the second best play in terms of raw projection on this slate behind jo- uh, Josh Allen. Interesting, if you look at the implied totals, I mean, obviously Dallas and Buffalo are at top among these six teams, but Dallas is like way ahead of Buffalo. They're at 29.25 implied points. That's actually highest on the entire week, not just on this three-game slate. And Buffalo's down at 25.75. So so that that's what has me interested in Dak, just that, you know, Vegas thinks Dallas is going to be the highest-scoring team on this slate pretty easily. But, man, you know, missing those weapons hurts. I, I also think I'm interested to see what Fanshare says, but I think Dak's going to be the highest-owned quarterback on the slate. I think he's going to come in higher than Josh Allen because of those savings. So I don't know. I'm, I, I think it's, it's viable to, to fade the Cowboys passing game and play Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard and just hope they, they go run heavy, which I do. That, that'd kind of be my lean uh, missing those wide receivers against a, a beatable Raiders run defense. I also think on this slate uh, playing Dak Prescott doesn't mean that you have to stay away from the sure. Cowboys running backs. And normally you wouldn't want to do that, but you know, so little to choose from uh, that could be, a way to differentiate if Dak does come in at highest ownership. I would bet that that Dak and Josh Allen are pretty close together and well ahead of the rest of the quarterbacks. But, you know, I'll be curious to see what those numbers look like tomorrow. Yep. Agreed. Outside of those two, I'm going to fade Derek Carr. The other guy I'm considering is, is Andy Dalton for the savings for the matchup against Detroit. Um, You know, Detroit's the worst pass defense among these six teams playing. And I think, you know, we'll get into some of the wide receivers and tight ends, but I think Darnell Mooney is just a straight up good play regardless. And, you know, I think uh, we can get into it, but I think Marquise Goodwin is in play. And I think, I think Cole Komet is in play. So it's, it's ugly, but it's super cheap. It's going to be low owned and it can, you know, you can fit in, you know, Zeke Elliott plus Stefan Diggs if, if you play in Andy Dalton stack. Yeah, and I think part of going with Dak is that I can get exposure to those quarterbacks without having to play those quarterbacks. I agree with Andy Dalton over Derek Carr. I want to like Derek Carr as a bounce-back candidate and a lower-owned guy, but the Dallas defense has been strong three of the past four weeks, especially against the pass. It's third in the league in pass defense DVOA now for the season and second in overall weighted DVOA. So that's the Football Outsiders stat that weighs more recent games more heavily than the full season. So Dallas is playing very well on defense right now. The Raiders are not playing very well on offense, and that is not a great matchup. And I mean, even if you think Derek Carr has some rebound potential, I think you can buy that by playing Darren Waller or Hunter Renfro. 
Yeah, um, yeah, Carr has not been good in three games without Henry Ruggs. Um, just 7.2 yards per pass attempt. He was at 8.5 yards per pass attempt with Henry Ruggs. So that's obviously been an issue. I think that that you know the argument in favor if you want to play Carr is you just hope he 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 leads this slate in pass attempts. You know, Vegas has been a pass leaning offense anyways. They're pretty big underdogs here, so they fall behind early. Maybe Carr throws it, you know, 42 times and ends up, you know, being the, you know, second highest quarterback on the slate or something. So there's an argument for him, but um, Carr is not someone I'm going I'm to get to in my lineups. And he's certainly had a fine season overall. He's been rough mm-hmm. lately. So, you know, we'll see if there's some rebound potential or if things are just in trouble there now. Anything else at quarterback? Nope. Running back, uh, DeAndre Swift looks like the first decision here. He's coming off those two straight games of 130 plus rushing yards. The Pittsburgh game, though, looks like an outlier. 33 carries in that game for 130. That's the only game all year that Swift has had more than 14 rushes. Last week was back down to 14. Had the big rushing game still, so obviously he can do it on lighter volume. But he's also had just six total receptions for five total yards over the past two weeks. Jamal Williams is back as of last week. What are you doing with uh, DeAndre Swift here? Yeah, definitely in the mix for me. I mean, not not a must play. I think the running back on the other on the other side of this game is is the best play at the position. But um, you know, Swift, Swift's usage usage was still strong last week with Williams back. He played seventy three percent of the snaps, ran around on eighty percent of the pass plays. Swift got fourteen of the twenty one running back carries. It was fourteen carries for Swift, seven for Jamal Williams, and Swift did see four targets. It was a seventeen percent target share. There there wasn't you know much passing volume with Tim Boyle under center. It, de- it does sound like. Jared Goff is going to play in this game, which which is good news. Like, you know, he's Jared Goff, but he is a big upgrade over Tim Boyle. Um, so that would help Gary Swift. Uh, I want to see, too, do, do we know if uh, Akeem Hicks is playing for Chicago? I know he hasn't practiced yet this week, so it's leading um, towards him not playing. You know, that, that, that's been an upgrade for run offenses when, when Hicks is out. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the latest on him, but I wouldn't bet on him playing, and I certainly wouldn't bet on him changing this matchup for DeAndre Swift just because he's been in and out of the lineup all year. I'll be curious to see if Jamal Williams takes more touches this week. He did. He got seven carries to Swift's 14 last week. I don't think it's a worry, but the last time before that, that we saw Jamal Williams in the lineup for Detroit, he had 12, he had uh, 12 carries to Swift's 13 against the Rams. So there's a chance he takes more work. I agree with you though. I mean, Swift is somebody I'm certainly not fading on this slate where there are so few high upside options, but I don't think he's a must play because we do have David Montgomery that you alluded to. $1,300 $1,300 cheaper on DK, $500 cheaper on FanDuel is Montgomery. And he has gotten back to being a workhorse despite what Khalil Herbert did while Montgomery was out. 84% of running back carries for the Bears in the two games since he returned from his knee injury. All three of the running back targets. So we like that share of the targets. And I think Andy Dalton over Justin Fields this week is probably good for David Montgomery's target upside. Fields has targeted running backs on 12.1% of his pass attempts this year. Dalton has on 17.8%. And he hit he had uh, six running back targets in each of his two starts to open the season. Of course, that second of those two starts, he left early with an injury. Yeah, agreed that Dalton is better for Montgomery's target projection. Montgomery played 95% of Chicago's offensive snaps last week. You know, that's, that's a territory very few running backs get to um awesome matchup obviously detroit 29th in football outsiders run d rankings 31st in adjusted points allowed to running backs montgomery hit had a big game against detroit back in week four 106 yards and two touchdowns and that was the game he left early with the knee injury that knocked him out for the for the next few weeks so you know he would have had even bigger numbers there so to me montgomery the best play at running back probably the, the best play on the entire slate um he, he's also probably going to be the highest owned player 
on the entire slate. So that's their that's their argument to fade him. Um, but you know, the, the way I play, I, I'll I'll eat the chalk at running back. I'll probably have Montgomery in every lineup I make, and you know, get different in other spots. Yeah, I think that that's where you can get a little too cute at times if you you know fade Montgomery with any uh, to any meaningful level here. There are only so many guys, and if he does go off in everybody else's lineup except for yours, then that takes away your chances of winning that particular contest. Um, yep. DVOA says Detroit is weak against both the run and the pass. Uh, worst in coverage versus running backs among you know all of their matchups. Thirtieth in that category. No worse than twentieth <clears throat> against any other position. Um, and that, that makes sense when you look at the Lions with a weak core of linebackers. Mm-hmm. Elsewhere at running back, I mean, I think it's not really too hard to make cases for Josh Jacobs and Zeke Elliott. I, you know, I don't, I think the decision is how heavily you go into them if you're playing a bunch mm-hmm. of lineups, but it's it's not hard to make the case for playing them to some degree. Yeah, not hard to make a case. I'm probably not going to play either, though. Um, you know, Jacobs, I, I just don't like the spot for the Raiders. I don't think the offense is going to do much. Jacobs' role in the passing game has been nice. Um, so that, that that's kind of why you'd play him. Um, I think he's less he's less game script dependent than he has been in the past because he's getting that passing game usage. So he's okay. Um, you know, Zeke, Zeke is okay. I mean, you know, Zeke could easily score twice and be someone you need. Um, I, I think I'm going to end up playing a little Tony Pollard instead of Zeke Elliott. Zeke's been dealing with the knee issue. Um, he's on a short week now. I, I think we, you might see a bit more Pollard than we have been. And you could see some more targets go to the running backs too with these wide receiver injuries. You know, maybe Pollard had seven targets two weeks ago. So, you know, maybe Pollard gets 10 carries and five targets. He can, he can bust off a big play. Um, so I think, I think that's the spot I might get different in my tournament lineups is playing Tony Pollard and, and fading Zeke. Yeah, that's where the short slate gets fun. Tony Pollard wouldn't make sense other than like uh, maybe I'll take a flyer on him in a normal week, but there's definitely room for him to be involved here. Seven plus carries in eight of his 10 games this season, of course, with Zeke Elliott around for almost all that 12 plus touches in five of those games. So half of the games this season, he's gotten 12 plus touches. So it's not a big stretch to say there's potential for Pollard to get the ball more. You know, I agree with you that with their top two receivers likely out for this game, it would certainly make sense for Dallas to lean run, which we've seen them do anyway when everybody's healthy uh, and to give Tony Pollard a few more opportunities because he's an electric athlete when he does get the ball. So, yeah, I like Tony Pollard in there. And I mean, there it, it only further helps Pollard that there's just not a whole lot else to like here. The Bills running backs look like a total avoid to me against the Saints who are number one in rushing DVOA. Bills don't want to run the ball anyway. And now there's three guys that you have to worry about now that Matt Breed has actually been in the mix. New Orleans, I mean, we'll see who's available for this game. Yeah, that's that's probably the biggest question remaining for the slate is, I mean, I, I'd be surprised if Alan Kamara plays. Um, it seems like he he suffered a setback last Wednesday because he hasn't practiced since. He has, didn't practice on Monday or Tuesday. Mark Ingram did not practice on Tuesday. So we'll see later today. Maybe it's just a day off for a veteran not on a short week. But if Ingram plays, I'm probably going to end up fading him. Again, You know, maybe he's banged up. He's an old guy on a short week. The, the usage has been good. He's basically played like Alvin Kamara's role. He has 30, uh, 30 carries and 15 targets over the last two weeks. So if you expect him to get that again, he, he's a fine play. I'm just not sure on the short week. Um, Tony Jones will, will be a guy tough to get away from. I think if Ingram and Kamara are out, um, Tony Jones is 4,000 bucks on DraftKings, And I, I think he'd get the majority of the backfield work, he, even in a bad matchup, just, you know, a running back on this slate getting, you know, 15 plus touches at that price tag. I, I think he'd be a, a, a nice play. 
Yeah, we'll have to see whether I get to him. I feel like I might be just using somebody else and playing two other running backs and not playing a running back in the flex, but I can't argue against a $4,000 running back if he's leading that backfield, certainly being in the mix for consideration here. Wide receiver, Jared, what do you like? What do I like? Uh, I mean, so I, there, there's some obvious plays. Like Steph Diggs, I think, is is a big decision. Um, he, he's just clearly the best wide receiver on the slate. Like you, you, you go from Diggs to Michael Gallup, and Darnell Mooney, who who are you know fine at their price, but you know Steph Diggs is the guy that who could you know go for thirty and you know be the guy you need to have. Um, he's seventy nine hundred bucks on DraftKings. You know the Saints are 29th in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers, but they're fourteenth in coverage against number one wide receivers. That's because they have Marshawn Lattimore. I think Diggs is going to see a lot of Lattimore in this game. He he had a couple of big games against Lattimore when he was with the Vikings, though. You know it, it's a matchup I, I think Diggs can win. So. To me, definitely on your Josh Allen teams, uh, Diggs would be a must for me. And then otherwise, you know, he 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 is a tough fade, and he's easy enough to get into lineups, especially if you're not going to play Zeke Elliott. Yeah, I, I can't argue with any of that. Marshawn Lattimore is funny. He's an up-and-down player. Like, there will be whole seasons where he looks like a shutdown corner, and then mm-hmm. others where it's like, I, I remember when Marshawn Lattimore was good at football. And even this year, you know, you talk about the football outsiders stats say he's been good. The PFF grades say he's been eh. Uh, and even within those numbers, like he does better in some categories than others. I think overall, you figure that it's a tougher individual matchup for Stefan Diggs, but he's a good enough player that you're not full fading him for any cornerback uh, unless it's somebody having a truly magical season at the position. Right. So I agree. Certainly Stefan Diggs is in the mix. I-, I think he's probably a bit more even of a can't avoid play than DeAndre Swift at running back, but you know, it doesn't quite get to the point of, I have to have him in my lineup because we've seen already with Buffalo, no matter the matchups, the the targets can just go elsewhere um, in a, in a given game, but clearly the class of wide receiver this week, Darnell Mooney is there. uh, Got a bunch of targets last week, 16 had that long catch and run touchdown after Andy Dalton entered the game. So he's going to get plenty of targets this week. looks like no Allen Robinson again. And then Michael Gallup is suddenly a number one wide receiver Mm -hmm. with Amari Cooper, CD lamb out. So, I mean, those are the first three guys I think at wide out that you're really looking at and saying, who do I need to play? Who do I want to play? Who do I want to fade? And, and how exactly am I mixing my exposures here? Yeah. Then then it gets pretty gross after those three guys, which we can get into. I, I think I'm not going to play Michael Gallup. I think he's going to be a fade for me. I I think I'm just going to go with this idea that Dallas is just going to do a lot of their damage on the ground on Thursday. And, you know, if Dak Dak throws for 280 and three, I'll I'll just get beat. Um, I I think Gallup, again, I don't want to guess at ownerships here. We'll see what Fanshare says, but I think he might be the highest owned wide receiver on the slate. I like going down to to, to Mooney instead. Um, I mean, 16 targets last week, 47% target share. Allen Robinson, um, assuming he's not going to play, we'll find out for sure later today, but he has not practiced yet this week. So I just think Mooney's going to get good volume again against a bad Lions defense. Detroit, by the way, um, you know, bad defending everything. They're 31st defending the deep ball, according to Football Outsiders. I think, you know, Mooney could pop for a big play here. And that takes us to Marquise Goodwin, who at 3,800 bucks, I think he is a, you know, flyer, low owned guy with a decent ceiling here. Um, you know, with Robinson out last week, Goodman ran her out on 78% of the pass plays. You know, he was that number two wide receiver behind Darnell Mooney and saw eight targets, a 23.5% target share. Goodwin made a made a, a big play in that game, which he can do. You know, he's still one of the faster wide receivers in the league. So um, if you're looking for a cheap, you know, punt, low-owned wide receiver, I think Goodwin is someone worth considering. I think uh, another guy that you wouldn't think would be a factor, but could be is Josh Reynolds on this slate. He only saw three targets last week, 
Uh, that ranked fourth on the team, but he played 90% of the snaps in his first game with the Lions, led the wide receivers in that category, led TJ Hawkinson by a snap. So again, if we're talking a regular slate, th- this is all irrelevant and I don't care. But on this particular slate, all we need is Josh Reynolds to get, you know, five or six targets in this game. And he all of a sudden looks like a magical option down there. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to play a Lions wide receiver, I- I'd play Reynolds because he's what? I'm on Ross St. Brown is 4,200. Where's where's Khalif? I can't even find Khalif. You know, he I, th- I think he's around four thousand too. So just the same as you're getting on Josh Reynolds, where I think you know he, I think I think the other two guys have a slightly better chance to lead the Lions receivers in fantasy points, but I don't think I don't think it's enough to make up for you know the savings you're getting with Reynolds. Yeah, every single Lions <laughs> wideout is a total flyer. So why not take yeah. the cheapest ones? Like we're like, just like you're playing defense in a lineup. Just go for the cheapest one yeah. and, and see what happens. Cedric Wilson's cheap this week. I don't think he's, you know, all that sneaky. It is worth mm-hmm. noting that um, Vegas slot corner Nate Hobbs has graded well in PFF coverage. So it's not maybe maybe it's not a terrific matchup for Wilson, but he should be in good shape in terms of target outlook. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, we talked about Stefan Diggs likely seeing a lot of Marshawn Lattimore. Emmanuel Sanders is probably facing rookie Paulson Adebo on the other side of that defense a lot. So there's some upside to Emmanuel Sanders this week. And we'll kind of see about Cole Beasley. He rebounded in playing time last week. So it seems like he's a better bet this week than he was last week, at least. Yeah, Beasley's the other Bills wide receiver I'm interested in, I think, over Emmanuel Sanders this week. Um, yeah, like you said, Beasley, he was back up to 66% of the pass routes last week, so a de- decent number. That's a, kind of the area he's been in a lot of games this season with a healthy Dawson Knox. Um, so, you know, maybe the rib injury is behind him now. And the, the, the Saints have struggled against slot wide receivers this season. Chris Goblin had a big game against them. Jacoby Myers caught nine passes against them. Russell Gage caught seven passes against New Orleans. So that is a spot they can be attacked. So um, for me, my, my Josh Allen teams are going to be stacked with Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley. Um, and on the other side of that game, I like Traquan Smith quite a bit, uh, $4,400. He, he's emerged as the Saints number one wide receiver, both in terms of volume and playing time. Uh, he's averaging 6.3 targets per game over the last three weeks with Trevor Simeon. And Traquan Smith's been playing in the slot quite a bit too, which is important against the Bills. That's going to keep him away from Trey White. So, he, so Smith's definitely my favorite Saints wide receiver play, and he would be the run back for me in your uh, Josh Allen stacks. Yeah, and I think I like $4,400 Traquan Smith better than $4,000 Tony Jones Jr. if we're talking flex decisions, just for the upside. Uh, Yeah, and probably, you know, a a third of the ownership. So I I agree for, for tournaments. Tight end, Darren Waller is the obvious big fish here. And tight end coverage has been a weakness for Dallas. So I don't, no matter how Derek Carr is playing, I don't think there's really a strong argument against using plenty of Darren Waller this week. No, there's not. To me, the only argument against it is there are some other quality options at tight end. I, I really like Dalton Schultz, uh, $5,300 on DraftKings, 92% of the pass routes last week, you know, with those uh, wide receiver injuries and issues that Dallas is dealing with. Um, eight targets in that game for Schultz and 19% target share. I mean, I, Schultz could lead Dallas in targets on Thursday. It would not surprise me at all. And the matchup's good. Uh, Vegas 26th. In adjusted points allowed to tight ends, 27th in football outsiders tight end coverage, DVOA. Schultz is my favorite play in Dallas's passing game uh, tomorrow. Yeah, my FFPC main event team is very happy about Dalton Schultz's matchup and situation this week. He's $100 more in salary than TJ yeah. Hawkinson on DraftKings now. $100 less than Hawk on FanDuel, basically tied with Hawkinson still in DK dollars per point in our projections this week. Um, and Schultz is ahead of Hawkinson on FanDuel, so... A good play. Like 
if it was a month ago, even maybe, even, maybe you have to go back further than that. But even I think a month ago, if you were like Dalton Schultz costs the same as TJ Hawkinson. Now I'd be like, that's silly. I'm going to take TJ Hawkinson there because he's going to get 12 targets. But I think they're basically the same player right now. And I'm not sure that Hawkinson remembers what the end zone looks like. Yeah. Yeah. That's my thing is I feel like Schultz has the higher ceiling just in the offense he's in. Um, and honestly, their target projections are, I think pretty similar this week with, you know, assuming, CD lamb is out when we know Amari Cooper's out. Uh, I'm curious to see the ownership on Schultz and Hawkinson, because I do think they're similar plays. If one's going to be way higher owned than the other, then I think it would make sense going to the other guy, but I, I think they'll end up pretty similar in ownership. Yeah. That's what I would guess as well. Hawkinson still has the bigger name. Vegas is the seventh friendliest matchup to tight end scoring by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. And according to the football outsiders numbers, they are weak in both tight end and running back coverage relative to how they play receivers. I mean, you could play both tight ends from the Dallas Vegas yeah. matchup. There's room for Darren Waller and Dalton Schultz in lineups this week. Talked about that, that flex spot where I'm might, I'm probably loath to play a third running back this time. Yes, I, I plan on playing uh, both those tight ends in at least one lineup. I, you know, I think that's always a way to differentiate yourself. Not many people think to play two tight ends. Is there anything worth saying about Dawson Knox and Nick Vanette? No, I, I'm I'm going to fade Dawson Knox. Um, coming off the big game in a in in the best matchup actually against the Colts. The Colts are dead last in adjusted points allowed to tight ends. The Saints are a tough tight end defense. So I'm going to fade Dawson Knox. The other the cheap tight end I'm going to look to is Cole Komet. Um, who's coming off a dud, which I like, you know, suppresses the ownership, hopefully, on this slate. But he had averaged 6.3 targets over his previous four games. Um, he also saw – he caught five balls on seven targets back in week one in Andy Dalton's only full game of the season. So, you know, there's some rapport there. And the Lions are 20th in Football Outsiders tight end coverage rankings. I think, you know, Kamat is, is, a, is a decent bat in this matchup at that price tag. Yeah, I agree with, with fading Knox relative to the other guys here and mixing Cole Komet in as well. On to defense, uh, the Bills and Cowboys are the best defenses playing. Talked about the numbers and the recent numbers in particular for the Cowboys. Um, so they're the best defenses and nobody is really priced out of consideration here. So I would look to those two first and probably, probably Dallas more than Buffalo, but I, it's tough for me to say that one has more upside than the other. Yeah, Buffalo is our top projected defense among these six. Um, they check in is the best value on FanDuel. They're the second best value on DraftKings. You know, they're the D I would look to first. I'm curious to see ownership on these defenses. You know, I think it's always worth playing lower owned defenses. I, I even think the saints are interesting as a tournament play again, especially if Spencer Brown is out, you know, we've seen Buffalo struggle. The saints have some talent on defense. They're at home. Um, so that, that's kind of the lower owned defense. I would look to if you're making a lineup, you know, without many bills in it. Yeah, I agree. I'm curious to see those numbers Thursday morning, too, for just that reason. Otherwise, I don't think I'm really heavily targeting any other cheaper defense. It's really, you know, usually you'd be looking cheap so that you can save the salary space. That's just not the case usually in a, a short slate like this. So I think Vegas is probably the least interesting. I think that's the one defense I would not play because if I did need to go all the way down to 2400 for a lineup, I'd play the Lions against Andy Dalton instead of the Raiders at Dallas. Yeah, I was going to say, if you want to get like super sneaky, if you're in a you know big field tournament, I think fading David Montgomery and then playing the Lions defense, you know, you could do that and then you can make the rest of your lineup as chalky as you want. And I think you're going to be differentiated enough. I mean, you could play David Montgomery and the Lions defense on a short slate because we, yeah, could, could. we could get 100 and a touchdown from Montgomery and still get, you know, two, three turnovers from Dalton. True.
That'll do it for this special Thanksgiving episode of the DFS podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now. You can see our full player rankings for week 12 and get some help with your DFS lineups in our lineup generator. You can also bring your questions for us and the rest of the DraftSharks community to the free DraftSharks Discord. You can find the link to join that in the description for this podcast. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.